Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory concludes his powerful, life-changing series entitled Non-Negotiables. Get your pen and your pad ready. Let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. So we're going to close out non-negotiables. And so we know that the definition is not open to negotiation or discussion. How many of you know there are some things with God that are just black and white? And we can't negotiate those things. And so let's look at our foundation text because I really want to get to uh, where we need to get to today. In that uh, foundation text, and I want to say this too, the youth department did an awesome job last week. Come on, you all can do better than that. Boy, that, man, that youth minister is good. That youth pastor is good. That boy is dynamic. You hear me? Uh, and if you're a teenager in here right now, raise your hand. If you're a teenager in this room, wave at me right now. We got an awesome youth service going on right now. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet, teenagers, unless you just want to stay in here. But, it, but, but we've got an awesome youth service for you, okay? So if you're a teenager, stand to your feet. And if I can just get an usher to take them over to that youth service. Could you all do that for me? All right. Of course, you're always welcome to stay with your family if you choose to do that. But if you're from 6th through 12th grade, they're doing a dynamic job. A band in church. A band. A band in church. Come on, somebody. So appropriate for the South. I love that. All right, let's read our foundation text. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous... So our audience in this text is who? The, ch- the church, but also in this text, the unrighteous. So I'm not ministering to the world, I'm ministering to the church. So the audience here is the unrighteous. And it says here that the unrighteous, not the righteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I just want to be clear about what we're talking about here. Uh, I learned in Bible school there's something called the duality of the text. So in other words, one text or one word or phrase can have a dual meaning. And so kingdom of God can mean different things depending on the audience, even though it's the same Greek word. Now, when it's referring to the righteous, how I many you know that's all of our benefits as children and heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ? That's healing, restoration, right? Kingdom of God is not uh, uh, meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All of those wonderful benefits, but that's not this audience right here. It also, I mean, our greatest inheritance as believers is eternal life, right? And so when you're looking at a text, what our dean would always teach us is that uh, it has to be complementary. And so if you're going to travel to a supporting text, it has to be within the same context that you came from. Is everyone clear on that? And so if you're going to use complementary text, For this particular verse, remember it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? I just want to show you two complementary texts. Typically, you're going to see a list in the same language. Go with me. It's not in your notes. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. 
And I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. They should pop it up on the screen as well. Notice what it says here. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, pretty much the same list. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Right? In other words, I can't say everything, but anything that kind of is consistent with that of which I tell you before, just as I've also told you in the past, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Complimentary text. Do you all see that? Because our audience is not the church. It's not the righteous. The audience in our foundation text is the unrighteous. Let's look at one more. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. Again, you're going to see a list, and then you're going to see same language, okay? Ephesians 5, 5 says, for this you know that no fornicator, again, that's one practicing that, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, uh, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, okay? Everybody clear there. And, And so, if you go back to our foundation text in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11, you'll see that Adam, Albert Barnes defines the kingdom of God this way in this context, this way. He says here, the phrase shall not inherit, it means shall not possess, shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven as an inheritance, right? So in other words, they won't experience eternal life, which is our ultimate inheritance. The kingdom of God is defined this way, cannot be saved, cannot enter into heaven, right? And so you'll see sometimes what confuses people, you'll see one word in one place, one word in another place, but it's the exact same Greek word. But in the Greek, the definitions are broad. And when we translate it from the Greek to English, I mean, sometimes we lost some of the full meaning. And so what our dean would teach us that the only way to know what he's fully talking about in that text is to look at the whole text so that you keep that portion of it in context, right? And so if I'm traveling from this text in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6 here, verses 9 through 11, then I have to use complementary texts that are speaking to the unrighteous and those not inheriting the kingdom of God. Is everybody clear on that? I just wanted to make that clear so that when I get to where I need to get to today, you're going to see a real clear. Because sometimes we we just see kingdom of God, and now we're really talking to the righteous when we're uh, talking about that. And that's not this group. It's the unrighteous. How many are here saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that with a mighty burning fire? Raise your hand if that's you. Man, you got benefits out the kazoo. But that's not who we're talking to right now. All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter. Let's go back to our, our notes here. So now, deceit meant to roam uh, from safety, truth, or virtue, to go astray, right? Point number one was context is king. We won't go back through any of that. Uh, point number two was category one was sin done uh, in the body. These are sins that we do to ourselves. And then point number three. Uh, with sins done outside of the body, and those are the sins that we commit against other people, all right? And then there were five in each category, and then number four, point number four uh, that we discussed was do not be deceived, right? In the last days, how many know deception is going to be a big part of the last days, right? Now, let's pick up today with the solution, because at the end of the day, we all want to know what to do, right or wrong. 
give all that information, and then you got to tell us what to do. So let's look at the solution. It's found in verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 reads this, and it says, And such were some of you. How many of you know I qualify for that? I can find myself in that list in multiple areas. Oh, don't sit there and look at me like that. How many of you all can find yourself in that list in multiple areas, right? But notice what it says, and such were some of you. Were. Were. See, but you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So after this long and unpleasant list of sins, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and such were some of you. So if that's something that I used to be, it shouldn't be something that I still am. And so all Paul is saying is you can't be both at the same time. Right? He either saved you or he didn't. Everybody clear? But we can't come into this and say God understands as if he didn't give us the equipment to overcome that stuff. So, all right, let's keep going here. So did you notice the, that glorious word were there? So as we look at that carefully, there in the Corinthian church, Paul says you can find people who were at one time, among other things, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, and extortioners. But they only were those things. They should not be those things any longer. All right? And so that's the key, folks. And what's happened to the church today is we get saved, but we continue living the way we used to live. And so the world wants no part of this because why should I give my life to something that really doesn't produce anything different in me than what I was before? Right? And so God is after something here. And so right away he says, letter A, you must be washed. Now, there are two agents uh, in the earth uh, in terms of tools that God left for our washing or our cleansing. One is the blood, and the other is the word. And so what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? So that's what God did. But how many of y'all know we have to do the word part? And I'll prove that to you. Let's look here. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. See, after we get saved, how I many we have to go through a cleansing process? All right? And so 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says, This is the life-giving message that we heard. And it is a life-giving message from the Passion Translation, 1 John 1, 5 through 7, that we heard him share, and it is still ringing in our ears. We now repeat his words to you. God is pure light, and you will never find even a trace of darkness in him. So if we claim that we share life with him, but we keep walking, see, that's habitually doing something, in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. Watch this. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. 
you'll notice that word continually there. Because how many of you know God doesn't expect you to be perfect after you get saved? It takes a process to get from here to there. And what he's saying is, as long as you keep your heart right and you acknowledge that that behavior is wrong, then my blood will keep continually cleansing you until you become what I need you to be. Isn't that a wonderful gift from God? Come on, somebody thank God for the blood of Jesus, right? But, but that's his part, right? What's our part? John chapter 15, verses, uh, John chapter 15, verse 3, out of the King James Version says, uh, Now you are clean. John 15, 3, King James Version says, Now you are clean through the word. So what cleanse, cleanses us up? What cleans us up? The word. John, uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, You are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. So, so notice the word then is the agent beyond the blood that cleanses us up. But believe it, is, believe it or not, it's not the word that I preach to you. It's the word that you study. Somebody ought to help me right there. And so, 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 church, so churches have trained people to rely on their pastor. But a good church is going to teach you how to rely on yourself and your personal relationship with God. And all we give you is extra. We point you in a direction. We give you an outline. We give you a blueprint. And then you go home and study that. And that's the word that will cleanse you. See, you're just hearing today. This isn't cleansing anything until you go home and apply it, study it for yourself. Then it becomes your agent to cleanse you. All right? Let's prove that in another area. You might remember in Ephesians chapter 5, right? Uh, it's using an analogy there between Christ and his bride, the church, and then a husband and his bride, the wife. And, and the agent that both use to cleanse, right? If I have a problem in my marriage, how I many of oh, the word is what's going to clean that up? Right? And so a leader in that situation is going to go to the word and apply the word to that situation and clean that up in his marriage. You all see that's the same agent that Jesus used with the church to cleanse us up. And he uses this language. He says, uh, by the washing of water, by the word. I believe that's in Ephesians 5, right around verse 24 or 25. And so you need to just, if you're struggling or have challenges in any of those areas, how I many of you just need to soak yourself in the word of God on, in that area until you get clean and free from it? And here's the key. No one can do that for you. I can lay hands on you and you'll get delivered for that moment. But Satan will say, I'll wait till you get back up. I'm just waiting on you to leave the building. I'll be waiting on you out there in the parking lot. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, I'm going to get in the car and ride home with you. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. And say, so all that stuff you did at the church wasn't nothing. Let me show you who really in charge here, right? And so you've got to make sure you go through that process. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So if I'm struggling with any of those areas on that list, then I've got to find everything the Word says about that and just let it cleanse that stinking thinking out of my life. John chapter, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the New uh, Living Translation says this. This means that anyone who belongs uh, to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. 
a new life has begun. And so what I want you to understand here is when you get saved, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He does expect you to not go back to where you came from. So the process of becoming new, that is a process. But I mean, you know, that old nature dies the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It really does, right? And if you'll just believe that and go on your journey, you'll see you don't have to go back to where you came from. I noticed in my life, and I just had to be honest with myself, there are things I stopped instantly. But there's some other stuff I kept with me. What's the stuff, what's the difference between the salvation that stopped me from fornicating, but that same salvation couldn't stop me from cussing? You want to know what the truth is? I just enjoy cussing. I wasn't ready to get that one up yet. And you would think fornicating, that would have been a little bit tougher than cussing. You would think, right? But just being honest with myself, I just didn't receive salvation in the one area, let it do the full work over there that I did in this area. And so I was a cussing Christian. Christian. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Any, any, no, let me. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. All right. Somebody say, my new life. Has begun. And that is a lifelong journey, folks, of just progressively growing into what God ultimately wants you to be while not going back to where you came from. Everybody clear? Because there'll be stuff you need to work on for the rest of your life. Let me prove that to you. How many of y'all have stuff in your life right now you need to work on? Look around the room. Look around the room. We all do. All right? Look at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. So that word is so important. It says, beloved friends. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? How many know it's by his mercies and his grace that he saved us? Johnny did an excellent job. Minister Johnny did an excellent job with pre-service prayer. How many of y'all thankful for the grace of God that came and saved us? I'm y'all thankful that you're not where you came from, right? You're not what you used to be, right? Has that grace been working in anybody's life? Notice what he says here. What should be our proper response to that? He says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. So see, every time I say no to sin, I mean, I'm saying yes to God. And that is a higher form of worship than us coming in here and lifting up our hands and saying things but not living. See, I'll prove that to you. Let's keep reading here. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes our genuine expression of what? Worship. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation, watch this, of how you think. So believe it or not, your behavior follows your thinking. So if you want to change your behavior, you have to first change your thinking. Which means I got to find out what God's word says about what I'm doing wrong. Now adopt that and let that become my new thinking 
and my behavior will follow that. Okay? So it's really how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So notice, I can't really discern what God's will is for my life until I first make a decision about my body. New King James Version says to present your bodies as a what? As a what? Say, every year I live faithfully to my wife. How I many you know I'm, that's a living sacrifice? Single person, every day you just keep yourself holy. You are a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody. Every day you decide that I'm not going to cuss and use my words the wrong way. I'm going to use words to edify. You are a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody. And God is well pleased with that. That's a living sacrifice. Every day I decide to live God's way. I am living sacrificially in a way that he just delights in. Now, how many know it's not popular with the world, but it's popular with God? Then notice letter B, live set apart. So the first thing there is to be washed. The next word there is to be sanctified. Now, again, if you grew up in the churches that I grew up in, that meant don't wear lipstick. Wear long dresses. I learned real fast that that didn't have nothing to do with whether or not a person was sanctified or not. I found, well, let's keep going here. So live set apart. So God wants that word, right, to change the way you think, and then that sets you apart from the world that you live in. Folks, there should be a difference between us and the world. I love what Minister Johnny said. He doesn't want us to blend in. He wants us to stand out. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through, uh, 20 through 22 says this, living set apart. Uh, it says here, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. And house there in the Greek is translated as family or household, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, notice, cleanses himself from the latter, the dishonorable things, he will be a vessel for honor. And I love this. Set apart, there's that word sanctified, and useful for the master. So notice, the moment I make a decision to not do things that are dishonorable, I'm setting myself apart and positioning myself for God to be able to use me. How many of y'all want to be used by God, right? But, but notice what he's looking for is will your life be an example for what he wants to use you for? Do you all see that? All right, let's keep going. So that's his whole goal in saving you is to set you apart so that the world can see there's a difference between the way they did that and the way we do things, right? Let's keep reading here. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. And I love this, prepared for every good work. And then verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let's look at it, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, out of the New King James Version. It says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, I want to work. What is the one offering that he's referring to? Jesus, right? Through his death, burial, and resurrection. 
Well, let's read that slowly because I want you to see this because God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for consistency. Right? Second Chronicles says that he searches throughout the entire earth. He goes back to and fro looking for someone whose heart is right towards him. So that he can notice what he didn't say. So that your behavior is perfect towards him. See, I mean, you can do a wrong behavior, have a right heart, acknowledge that the behavior is wrong, and immediately work on correcting that. God said, I can work with that. So let's keep reading. You'll see it in this text here in Hebrews. It says here, for by one offering he is perfected forever. Notice those who are being sanctified. So, so once again, sanctification is a process. Over time, what he expects is that you get further and further away from the world. He doesn't expect all of that on day one. Even though he delivered you from all of it on day one, what he expects is every day, every week, every month, every year, you get further and further away from the world and closer and closer to him progressively. Do you all see that? How many of y'all can say that's true in your saved life? All of us can say that. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 out of the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18 out of the Passion Translation. I remember one time uh, I was in a church and a lady was struggling with cigarettes. And um, I'll never forget this. It just moved me. And in her mind, she just felt like she couldn't just whatever, whatever reason, right? Just, it's just, I can't do it. And, uh message like this was kind of going forth and we're going to have a moment here at the end of the service and I'll never forget this. This person had been a chain smoker for like 20 something years. Do you all know what a chain smoker is? What's a chain smoker? <laughs> Boom. Just, just, I just, I just got to have one. Can't really be normal without it. We're going to have this same moment at the end of the service today. And God just, was, the way she described it, I remember they had, you know, back then they would have testimony service. You all remember testimony service? And she said just instantly God took the taste out of it, taste, taste of it, out of her mouth and never went back to it. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 17 and 18. Notice what it says here. For this reason, now the reason he's referring to here in verse 17 is he encouraged us to, to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I mean, you know, God doesn't want us running with people and being yoked up with people that don't believe and want to live the same way that we do. Right? And when we make that decision, notice what he says here. He says, for this reason, come out from among them and be ye what? Separate, sanctified, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean, and I will embrace you. I will be a true father to you, and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, says the Lord Yahweh Almighty. So notice, his heart is to separate us. Not with a I'm better than you type of position, but, but that there's a better way to do things. Right? And so what God is after, folks, he's really trying to sh set your life up on a pedestal and use your life, your marriage, your singleness to show the world there's a right way to do this. How many of y'all believe that? And all God is saying, and then I'm going to come in and be a true father to you. 
I'll meet every need that you have, heal every form of sickness and disease that ever touches your body. Come on, somebody. I'm going to bless everywhere that your feet tread. Come on, I'm going to cause you to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. Come on, somebody. No, not one weapon that is formed against you will ever prosper. Come on, I'm going to lift you up on high so that all the nations of the world can see that those who live upright before me, I am a true father to them. I can remember I've always made a deal with God. I said, if I do this this way, then, then you got to show out. Right. I mean, if I go through all that, then God, you got to show out. And I'm telling you, he has shown out. God is good. Has God been good to anybody in this building? Does anyone in here see a benefit from, from living a separate life? Come on, does anybody see a benefit of that? Come on, can you encourage those around you by just giving God real good praise, real good hallelujah, real good thank you, Jesus? Come on, there is a better way. There's a better way. And the world will never know that if, as long as we are acting the way they act. What we're telling them is that their way is better. That's why we're trying to do what they do. And then let her see. He declares you righteous. Come on, somebody say, I am the righteousness of God. Man, now that's something he does for you. That's not something you do for yourself. Okay. Let's read Romans 5, 19. It says, for it's by one man's disobedience. Who is that one man? Somebody say who? What's his name? Well, this is a smart church. What's his name? For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. How many were made sinners? How many of you know we came into this world sinning? Nobody ever had to teach me how to lie or steal. As far back as I can remember, did you do that? How many parents in here know what I'm talking about? You're like, now nah, I know you didn't get that from me. <laughs> Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Kids just doing stuff like, where'd you, boy? Girl, where'd you? Right? It's just what it's, we're all born into it, right? Which is why we need to be born again. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Do I have any of the many that have been made righteous in this room today? No doubt about it. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I love this verse here. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans chapter 8, verse 10, New King James Version says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, I mean, you know, whatever you're alive to is typically what you serve, right? And so if my flesh is alive, how I many you know I'll serve that? But if my spirit is alive, how I many you know I'll serve that? And it's whichever one of those has the dominance in your life, that's typically the direction that, that we go in. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, my wife's favorite two verses in the Bible, says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, 
Can you imagine just God watching you all day, every day when you are upright before him? Everywhere you go, he just making sure you're well when you get there. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about got ministering angels on assignment. Come on, protect them while they're over there. Take care of them while they're over there. Imagine you getting on an airplane and the angels are the ones actually carrying the airplane all the way to safety. Come on. People always say, Pastor, why do you ride a motorcycle? Why wouldn't I ride a motorcycle when I got an angel on the back of it just guiding me? Come on, somebody. And protecting me along the way. Can you imagine just God watching you all day, every day, making sure that you're well? Come on. When you walk into a business deal, can you imagine God going in there with you? And shaping the meeting the way it needs to go and giving you favor with the people in the room. Boy, God, come on, somebody ought to thank God for a God that just has his eye on you. Come on, think about that. Man, God, God is thinking about you all day, every day. And he's just thinking about ways to bless you and to deliver you and to heal you and to prosper you and to help you along your way. Why? Because you're walking upright before him. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Watch this. And his ears are open to their prayers. Can you imagine every time you talk to God, he's listening. And he's saying, what can I do for you, my daughter? What can I do for you, my son? Something about that just warms my heart. Because there's some people I call, they may or they may not pick up the phone. I mean, there are people who call me. I'm looking first. Come on, anybody else in here ready, willing to be honest? I'm looking first. And Lord, don't let it be a number that's not in my phone. How many of you know that one right there? You don't even think about that one. Right or wrong. But every time you pick up that phone and you call God, his ears are open, ready to hear what you need. Seems to me that would make me want to pray more. And talk to God more. So, so, so why do we talk to him less? That should be the first person we turn to. Right? Watch this. So his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, if you all can understand this, you, you know when things aren't right, like in a relationship, you don't even want to look at the person. My wife put her head down because I'm getting ready to use us. But, and we're not like this. We don't live this way. But you all know what I'm talking about. They can be talking to you. Because your heart is not towards them. Your face won't be towards them. Right? And all he's saying is that when you practice evil, he still loves you. But he's got to turn from that. So even though you're trying to talk to him. You're coming to him. You're going to him. And it's not a works thing here. But what he's saying is if you're going to practice those things. You're going to miss out on one of the greatest benefits ever known to man. And that's the ability to talk to God. Most of us would say if we can get a conversation with Bill Gates, 
I'm telling you, that's nothing compared to a conversation. Come on, somebody. Somebody, if I can just get such and such to mentor me. But what if God mentored you? Come on, somebody. I said, what if God mentored you? Says, so the face of the Lord is against those. So, so you're trying to talk to him, but because evil and him, they don't exist together. He's got to turn his face. Then I love this. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of that which is good? So now you can live your life in such a way where you don't even have to fear anything because no one can really harm you if you're doing what's good. Oh, boy, boy that, was a, that was a good place for somebody to give God some glory in here. So I don't, I don't need to prove nothing to anyone if I'm following what's good. Come on, somebody. Why am I concerned about what you're trying to do to me? Why am I concerned about what you said about me? Why am I concerned about anything that you're doing to try to harm me if I'm following what's good? You all see that? Some of you all put too much stock in what other people say about you. Come on, what other people try to do to you. Walk away from that stuff and be the bigger person because this is a Bible promise that if you follow what is good, no one can harm you. Come on, a thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Come on, somebody. There's not one weapon ever formed that will prosper in your life. The weapon will form, but it won't prosper in your life. Now, let's close this out. Music department, prepare yourselves. And what's more, they have the eternal resources of the Holy Spirit himself living in them and empowering them to walk in this new life. So I want you to think about it. In our foundation text, it said that you have all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the power of his spirit. So when you give your life to Christ, how I many of you give your life to Christ in his name? Then his spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Right? That has to be more powerful than anything else in your life. That's all he's saying here, and that's what he's trying to give you an awareness of, is that you actually have tools available to you to overcome whatever's trying to take you out. So there are many times, and there are times when we may stumble and fall, but the enabling ministry of the Holy Spirit is what will cause us to continue to get back up and progressively walk in this holy life. I mean, we all miss it from time to time, right? But it's the work of the Holy Spirit that causes us to get back up. Acknowledge where we missed it. Come on, somebody, right? Go back to the Word, get some more information about that so we can wash more of it out of our life, which sets us apart so that we can live righteously. Do you all see that? That's the process. So, he says, so how do I overcome this? How do I do that, right? He said three things. What are the three things he said? First thing you got to do is be washed, right? What's the two agents that wash you? The blood and the word, right? Then he says you need to be sanctified. What sets you apart? The word is what sets you apart so you can live a separate life, right? Then he declares you righteous. And that righteousness should give you a confidence, Right? And so it's a progressive holiness that increasingly leaves the sinful practice, practices of the past behind. So it's a progressive holiness. Somebody say progressive holiness. How many of y'all have seen that in your life? Right? 
How many of y'all are not what you used to be? Somebody ought to thank God for that because you used to be a mess. So look at yourself and say, self, I used to be a mess. Now go ahead and thank God you're not what you used to be. Come on, go ahead, go ahead and come on, give God. Come on, I, I'm so, I was a mess. Boy, I, oh my God. Oh, I was horrible. Oh, I was, oh, I was horrible. I, I, oh man, just horrible. I was horrible. All right. So Paul is basically challenging the church to know and believe that you are no longer what you once were. All right. So I want you to do these three things daily. I want you to spend time in the word of God. This is in your notes and renew your mind and allow it to transform you. You cannot change your behavior until you change your thinking. Going to church won't do that for you. It's personal daily devotion time. Number two, every day allow the word, word to set you apart from your old life. So the only thing you want to do is see improvement daily. Right? So if you used to smoke eight cigarettes a day and you're down to five, celebrate that. Or whatever it is, okay? Just make sure you're progressively getting better and not progressively getting worse. And then number three, declare every day. Get up and declare that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and then live like it. Every day I get up and I say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and then I want my life to, to look like that throughout that day. So I believe that what Paul was basically saying to the Corinthians is that you no longer are what you once were. When you practice these sins, you are doing so in utter contradiction to your true nature because that's not what you are and that's not who you are. So rise up now and live consistently, consistently with, what you are in, with who you are in Christ. Prove that you are truly Christ by the fact that you rise up and leave those sins far behind through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that this would be God's message to you and me today. If you have felt the Holy Spirit, how many of y'all have felt that the Holy Spirit has used these last several weeks to just really clear some things up for you? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Go ahead and give God glory for that. Praise God. Just bring some clarity to some things. Okay? Now, I'm going to take this a little deeper for you. If you feel that any of this has just touched any area of your life, uh, there's something called repentance in the Bible, right? Confession is when you're not saved, you confess your sins, right? That's for the uh, unrighteous. They confess them in order to be saved. I know after you get saved, a Christian's job is called repentance, and that's where I acknowledge that what I did is wrong. Hello, somebody. And then repentance means to change the way that I think. And so you've truly repented when you say, I am now acknowledging that that is wrong. And I'm going to go find out everything that God's word said about that. And I'm going to study that and set my life apart from that. See, when I miss it today, that's literally how I pray. I say, Father, I know that's wrong. And I acknowledge that, that that's wrong. And I know that your grace doesn't teach me that. 
Your grace teaches me to deny all uh, ungodliness and all worldly lusts. And so, Father, I receive your forgiveness from that sin. I repent from it. And, I, Father, I declare that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I've overcome that area of my life. Amen. And then I go put the work in. Amen. Everybody clear? Amen. All right, now watch this. I believe what God is calling us to do today uh, is to turn away from things that are not good through what's called genuine repentance. Who was this message for today? The church. Who was the whole series for? The church, right? right? So in the name of Jesus Christ and for his glory, I'm declaring that you are free. Come on, somebody, just go ahead and receive that. I'm declaring that you are free. Okay? But I want to read something to you here. Proverbs 28, 13, out of the New King James Version says, He who covers, that word covers means to conceal or hide. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes, notices two things. Acknowledge it and forsake it. They will have mercy. And so I just want to open the altar up. The music department is going to come and sing. And I want to open the altar up. You can either come down here to the front, right? If there's just anything, it's just between you and God. Nobody needs to know your business. Uh, but don't cover it up any longer. Acknowledge it. Say, Father, I acknowledge that this behavior is wrong. And I repent from it. And I receive your forgiveness. Right, so I'm going to open up this altar. Music department is going to come and sing. You can stay at your seat if you choose. You can kneel at your seat. I'm going to come down here and just kneel right down here on the floor. Because, how I many you know, I don't want to sit up here and act like I'm perfect. I mean, that would be horrible for me to try to act like I don't have something to work on. And areas of my life that I know I still need improvement in. So, music department, go forth and sing a little bit there. However you're led, I'm just going to come right down here on the floor. Just me and God. If the altar's where you meet us Take me there Take me there If what you need is just an offering It's right here My life is here And I'll be a living Sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire. Pure if I, you take whatever you. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire. Purified, you take whatever you desire. 
Your awesome presence is in this room, consuming fire, sweet perfume. Your awesome presence fills this room, because this is wanted to see church get back to a place of corporate repentance. How I many know judgment always starts at the house of God? Never starts out in the world. It starts right here at the house of God. And so, Father, I just, I curse anything that's not like you in this room. Father, I pray that you take the taste of cigarettes, the taste of alcohol, take it out of their mouths right now, Father. Father, I curse every form of sexual uh, immorality, Father, from fornication to adultery to homosexuality, Father. I curse it at its root. This is holy ground. It has no right or place in this, among your family and among your children, Father. Father, I just curse anything that doesn't come from you, and I, I break its power over every believer's life now in Jesus' name. Now, I declare that they'll walk out of here today free from it, Father. But that you'll also give them a heart and a spirit, Father, to allow your blood to continually purify them. Allow your word, Father, that they'll study every day in that particular area to wash them and to set them apart. And, Father, they are declared righteous and they'll live in the truth of your word every day of their lives. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. 
I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.